Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. I'm going to be preaching to you this morning out of Exodus chapter 18. We've been in the book of Exodus for a while now, and I am loving this book. I hope that you are too. In Exodus 18, 18, listen to what the Word says. You're going to wear yourself out, and the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Don't Do It Alone. Look at somebody and say, don't do it alone. Look at somebody else and say, don't do it alone. Pray with me. God, thank you for this time together, Lord. Thank you for never leaving us alone. Thank you for always being with us, God. I pray that right now that you'd anoint anoint my mouth and my mind, God, to say the things that you would have me to say. Father, I pray that you'd teach us what you'd have us to know, Lord. I ask you to increase our faith. God, I ask you to mold us and shape us to be who you've called us to be, to do what you've called us to do. Lord, I thank you for every person who's come out today, and I pray that you truly would give us ears to hear what you have to say to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you've been enjoying the book of Exodus. We've been in it now for over a month and a half, and it's a big book with a lot to say. Let me give you some backdrop on the book of Exodus. Well, let me just ask without looking. Anybody know when most scholars think that this book was written? Can you get within 500 years of it? Nobody wants to take a guess. Hallelujah. Nick? Uh, right, chronologically, they say Job was the oldest book written. This book was written, I'll give you the answer, sometime around 1400 B.C. How long ago was that? That's about 20 3,500 years ago, that's a long time, say long time. One of the things I love about the Bible is that God is so amazing that he could take something that was written over 3,000 years ago for a group of people that lived on the other side of the world and still make it relevant for us today. God's Word is amazing. We are studying God's Word on Wednesday night. I want to tell you again, come out on Wednesday night. We're learning a lot of stuff. This Wednesday night is going to be incredible. Come study the Bible with us at 7 o'clock midweek Bible study. But this book of Exodus we've been reading as our book of the month. Every month I give you a book that I'm studying. And I recommend to you to read it through as many times as you can because I want there to be a method to your madness. Too many people, when they read the Bible, they don't know where to read. They, they don't know what to read, and they just flop it open and uh, there. And the, the hunt and point method will never get any type of systematic study done. So I hope that you're uh, going through Exodus with us this morning. I, I want us to look at some instruction Moses got from his father-in-law about life. The The... Hebrew people have been traveling. The book of Exodus covers a lot of material. The big part of what it covers is God's people making an exit from Egyptian slavery. God is taking his people out of Egypt and walking them to 
the promised land. Listen, if you don't get anything out of today's message, understand this. The Bible says that we have these stories for our examples. We read the Bible because they give us examples of what God did with other people. And because he's never changing, because he's always the same, if we see how he responded then, we can know how he will respond now. And there's some things God wants to bring you out of. Uh, that ought to shape the way you read the book of Exodus. There's some things that God wants to bring you out of. There's some places that God wants to take you to. There's some people that God wants to separate you from. And there's a promised place that God has for you. God has a promise. But between every promise and the promised land is what? A wilderness journey. And this is where most people find themselves today, in a wilderness journey. If you're saved and you know that you're saved and you know God has promises for you, you're probably in your process. You're probably in your wilderness journey. If you've been going for a long time, you can get weary. The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. If you've been believing for something for a really long time and you haven't seen it manifest, the Bible says that that can cause some emotional uh, difficulty in your life. But if you know that what God has promised will always come to pass, you'll be able to push past your emotions. Too many people get, get sabotaged by their own emotion. And the people that were studying about in the book of Exodus, they changed a trip that should have taken them days into a wandering in circles for 40 years. They made an 11-day journey into a 40-year crazy, and so many people are still doing that. You wonder why God hasn't come through for you, why you're not walking in your miracle, why you're not walking in your destiny, why God hasn't opened up heaven over you yet. He, you, you're wondering about him. He's wondering about you. When's God going to come through for me? God already came through for us on the cross of Calvary. God already did the big thing. God already set in motion everything that we need. He says he's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness because we have his spirit on the inside of us. Too many people are sitting back wondering when God is going to do X, Y, and Z when the reality is we haven't done A, B, and mm. I want you to hear the word of the Lord this morning. Uh, I want us to go back a few verses I read verse 18 for you. I want us to set some context on this thing. Let's read the Bible together. I want to be a little teachy with you this morning. We're going to take this verse by verse and see what God has to say to us in Exodus 18, 13. Look at what the Scripture says. The next day, Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. They waited before him from morning till evening. That's a long time. Say long time. Okay, so here's the backdrop. Moses has led God's people out of Egypt. Scholars, as they often want to do, dis, di, uh, differ on how many people there are. But there's somewhere between 5 and 7 million people in this wilderness. Think about walking. Now, if we walk, we'd be like, all right, let's take a single file line. We're all going to walk over to the fellowship hall. That would take, that, that would just be insanity right now with just a couple hundred people in the room. That would be like, oh, Lord, some, somebody's going to get lost. Somebody's going to wander. Somebody's going to go. Seven million people stretched out across the desert. They, they can't even hear. I mean, there's no megaphone. 
There, 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 there's no, you know, there's no email. There's no texting. You can't put your earbuds in to figure out what he's saying. Moses is saying, hey, we got, we got about another 30 minutes of sunlight. What do you say? 30 minutes of sunlight. What do you say? Thir- 30 minutes of sunlight. What do you say? Thir- about 30 minutes. What do you say? Uh, well, he said it was 30 minutes of sunlight, but it got dark two hours ago. Seven million people. Seven million people have more than seven million problems because everybody's got something that they're battling, and here's the deal. There, there's no courtroom. There's no judge. There's no jury. There, there's no group of people. God took this man, Moses, and made him the leader. This is why I don't believe in church voting because you can't vote on vision. The, the one time where Moses allowed a vote, it messed them up. And ten were bad and two were what? Good. And they followed the ten when they should have listened to the two. But here Moses finds himself sitting down day after day after day after day listening to the people's disputes. Look, against each other. You would think if you went and freed a bunch of people out of slavery, not just slavery, but oppressive, kill-you slavery, hard-make-bricks-without-straw slavery, beat you to death if you don't do what we say because we're Egyptians and you ain't slavery. Listen, if if you free all those people and you take them out of there, you'd think they'd be thankful. But they were complaining. Here's a message for you before we even get into it. Stop complaining. It's not helping you. Your complaining is creating a negative aura around you. Your complaining is creating a negative universe around you because the Bible says you reap what you sow. And if you put out negative, guess what you're going to get back? If you're whining and complaining all the time, God's going to send you some friends. And they're going to be whiners and complainers. And you don't need that kind of friend. But here are the millions of people. They have disputes, problems. He, he's sweating me. She's she bothering me. They, they have disputes against each other. This is ridiculous, y'all. People talk about unity, people talk about oppression, people talk about equality. When have you ever found more than three people in a room that could really get along with each other? In your own house. In your own house, you might have somebody that likes mashed potatoes better than stovetop stuffing. You might have somebody that don't like mashed potatoes or stovetop stuffing. They make therapy for that person. Listen, you you might have somebody, you stop at the freezer section. You and your two little cute boys, because you're a single dad on a bad back, tired of being in Publix. And you say, can we get ice cream? Okay, get ice cream. What kind of ice cream y'all want? I want that, I want that. Maybe this, maybe that. And and last time I said, if y'all don't pick ice cream in the next three seconds, there's none. Disputing over ice cream. Now, why would they dispute over ice cream? Because I wasn't asking them. 
what kind of bag of candy they want. There'd have been a dispute over that. Why? Because when you get more than three people together, three or more people together, there's going to be personalities involved going to be issues involved, preference involved. I like this. I like that. Well, this is better. No, it's not. This is better. No, it's not. Floyd Mayweather's better. Conor McGregor's better. Ah, ha, ha. Who won? It's, it's always this. It's always what's going on. Florida, Georgia. Listen, there is no such thing as Georgia, Florida. I've been here forever. I've been on the west side of Jacksonville forever. It is the Florida-Georgia game. Don't send me no Georgia bulldog stuff. I don't want to hear it. Of course they should win this year, blah, blah, blah. But people, Seminoles. Had to take my jacket off. Seminole fans still talking about Bobby who? Well, they love them some Bobby Bowden. Got to talk about something good because the games ain't going good. People have disagreements. People have disputes. And some people want to be told that they are right. We started this church 16 years ago with a handful of people, 16 to be exact. It's the only year I'll ever be able to say that. 16 years ago with 16 adults, handful of children. And I was doing a ton of counseling with 16 people every day. Pastor, I need to see you. Can I see you for just five minutes? How long y'all think that turns into? Like an hour, good hour. Three minutes is a good 45 minutes. And listen, well, the deacons know how long it turns into because every time somebody says, Pastor, can I see you? I, I, just, need, I just need you for two minutes right, right after church. And, and the deacons got to sit, sit around and wait to lock up the building, and they're thinking, this ain't no two minutes. That's a handful of people. Think about seven million people. But I don't like the way she looked at me. We're trying to overcome dysfunction we're trying to find equality we're trying to find unity we're trying to battle oppression and you're worried about she didn't shake my hand i went over to greet her and she turned away maybe she was already turning away or maybe your breath stank if the shoe fits put it in your stank breath mouth might knock the crust off disputes Moses from the morning till the evening. I think she disrespected me. Listen, the Bible says only by pride comes contention. Do you know you cannot really offend a humble person? Because they'll laugh at you. You go ahead, cuss them out. <laughs> You're just ignorant. You kiss your mama with that mouth? You, you can't get under their skin. Well, she made me mad. No, she revealed your anger. And when you get millions of people and one dude running things, you got a tired old dude. And so here's Moses, all these people. They're walking and arguing. 
and walking and arguing and taking territory and arguing and moving forward following God and arguing. And if there was less arguing, there could be more moving forward with God. Mm, Y'all don't want to believe the word of the Lord this morning, but we're going to see it more and more clearly. Every day, the things they're bringing to Moses. It's not one or two things. They, he's sitting in this chair. He took his seat. <laughs> That's funny to me. I, I, I slow down when I read the Bible, and I want you to slow down when you read the Bible. I want you to look at it word by word, phrase by phrase, sentence by sentence, paragraph by paragraph, pericope by pericope, chapter by chapter, book by book, covenant by covenant, front to back. And it says the next day, comma, as if yesterday wasn't enough, there's a next day. You know what? Whatever happened yesterday or whatever happens today, chances are you're going to have a next day. Listen, if you ever hear me say this, this is my end of the rope. I'm tired of you speech. This is my I can't take your whining no more speech. This is a we've been here for two and a half hours and I got to wrap it up speech. I'm pretty sure the sun will come up tomorrow. Y'all can't read between those lines. If you ever did any counseling, you know what that means all the way down to your feet. He, the Scripture says the next day. Woo, as if yesterday wasn't bad enough. The Bible says that we should take no thought for tomorrow because tomorrow's going to have enough trouble and today's got enough trouble. Tomorrow's going to handle itself. Today's got issues of today we need to deal with today. Too many people are thinking and obsessing about the future and what's going to happen in the future. Too many people thinking and obsessing about the past and what's already happened in the past. I want to give you some help this morning. You need to live in the now. Be present in your present. Be, be active in your reality. This, this, this says the next day. Yesterday's done. Here we go with this day. Moses took his seat. <laughs> I, I, I'm just picturing him. He's like, all right, bring him in. Yeah, I ain't saying I've ever told Dina that, but I probably have a thousand times. Yeah, bring him in. Took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. One of the things that we've been talking about for a long time at Abundant Life is the reality that God's Word says we're a family. The Bible talks about mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters all of us united by one father. You claim God as your father. I claim God as my father. That makes us brothers. That, that makes me your brother in Christ. We are a family, and we've got to learn how to listen. What Rodney King say? can't we all just? We need to learn how to get along. Only by pride comes contention when neither party is willing to say, my bad, you're right, I'm wrong. None of these weak apologies these athletes make. If, if what I said by chance might have offended a group of people, no, you offended a group of people, that's why you're apologizing. No, just, no, it's, it's good. You win, I lose. It's all you, it's none of me. Nobody wants to take the low road when people just want to. <laughs> now you got to bring it to the pastor. They bring it to Moses. 
We got to learn how to get along. We got to learn how to quit having disputes. If we would be humble, if we would be loving, if we would be spirit-filled, if we would be kind, if we would exercise self-control, there would be less against each other. There's enough people out there that are against Christians. We can't be against each other. Psychologists, in large part African-American psychologists, have presented to us this theory of crabbing. You put crabs in a jar, in a pot, and one tries to crawl out, what do the others want to do? Pull him back down. There is a broken thing in the human psyche that has convinced us that if we can pull somebody else down, that it'll make us feel better. Let me tell you, it won't. Stop trying to hurt someone else's advancement. Stop trying to be angry at someone else's promotion. Be glad. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Wait patiently on your time to crawl out, and then you can step on somebody's neck and crawl your way out. I'm not saying that's the only way, but it is a common way. These people were having disputes against each other. You need to understand there's enough people against us already. There's enough opposition out there already. We need to learn how to love each other. The only real way to really love somebody, if you're going to be in close contact with them, if we're going to be a Christian family, if we're going to have fellowship together and walk in unity the way God has called us to, we're going to have to love each other in spite of each other. If you're just sitting there waiting, hmm, I wonder what he really thinks about X, Y, and Z. Because if I find out he doesn't believe B, D, and E, I'm out. Well, get out now. You ain't got to wait on that. Uh, well, if she looks at me one more time like that, we, we just uh, maybe it's time we go. I think, God, my season might be up. There's no evidence of anybody's season being up at any church in the Bible. That's a lie hard-hearted people made up so they could feel like it was God telling them to leave when they got their poor little feelings hurt. If you already know, hey, I ain't going to agree with all these folk. I ain't going to like all their chili or all their breath or all their perfume or all their personalities or all their stories that I've already heard a thousand times. But I'm going to love them in spite of them because God has called me to love everybody. If you're just looking for a reason to separate, you'll find it. Because God is into unity. The devil is into division. And these people are dividing themselves against each other through pride, through arrogance, through... Here's what people want in counseling. And I've told people this. People who want to be professional counselors, professional therapists. Listen, I've been doing this for over 30 years. I can promise you what most people want in a counseling situation is for you to co-sign on their stupidity. If the wife calls for the meeting, all she wants is for pastor to say she's right, you're just a fool. That's all she wants. 
All she wants is for pastor to say, she's right, you need to change. If the husband calls for the meeting, guess who he wants pastor to say is right? The husband. And he'll co-signing on their stuff. Listen, Moses was not co-signing on their stuff. That's why it took this long. Because he was judging fairly. And it was every day, day in, day out, that day and the next day, he's waiting on them from morning till evening. Look at verse 15. Moses replied, oh, no, verse 14. Verse 14 says, when Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked, what are you really accomplishing here? Why are you trying to do all this alone while everyone stands around you from morning till evening? All right, now, we have these stories for our what? Examples so that we can learn from them so we can apply these to our life. I want you to find something in this passage of Scripture that can help you be the best you that God created you to be. So put verse 14 on the screen for me, y'all. Do we have verse 14? Ha! When Moses' father-in-law, what's Moses' father-in-law's name? Jethro. Y'all know what Jethro means? Beverly Hillbillies did not know what Jethro means. His excellency, the high and prosperous one. Jethro was, well, I guess maybe they did. I rewind that. I accused Beverly Hillbillies falsely. Jethro was the only one in the family that had a fifth-grade education. <laughs> I don't think that says as much about him as it says about the rest of the family. But here comes this dude named Jethro. Moses has married Jethro's daughter, making Jethro his father-in-law. Now, Jethro got money. Jethro is a wealthy businessman who Moses has worked for in the past. Jethro also, if you study scripture or if you study history, is the founder of his own religion called Druze, D-R-U-Z-E, for all you studious people that want to figure out what, what religion Jethro founded. The Druze, you cannot join it. They, 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 they stole they, they stole an idea from good preachers. You, you can't join in. You got to what? You got to be born in. And Jethro is powerful. He's smart. He knows how to run an organization. He, he, he's left his false gods and is now sacrificing to the true God. But he comes along and he sees everything that Moses is doing for the people. And he said, what are you really accomplishing here? You need to be able to listen to whoever is talking to you. See, most people are not really listening when someone else is talking. Psychologists tell us, and you'll know this to be true in your own experience, that over 90% of people forget the person's name after meeting them within two seconds. Hi, I'm Scott. I'm Bill. What is his name? I don't know. I thought you knew. Was that Tom, John, Jack, Bubba? Can't be Jamal. <laughs> oh, that is funny to me. 
And they say the reason why we don't remember someone's name when we're staring them in the face, looking in their mouth, introducing ourselves to them, we tell them our name, and then we should be listening for what? But we're not. We're too busy thinking, did I say my name right? <laughs> How's my breath? Ooh. You got a tic-tac? Wait, wait, am I fly down? People got different issues. If you study me, you can uncover all my issues. The last thing I do before I come around that corner, no matter what I'm wearing on the taf, top half of my body, look, Deacon West knows, I do this. Right here. I'm not feeling how fat my belly is. I got my finger on the top of my zipper. Because the last thing I want is the whole church passing out. We're so busy thinking, am I standing right? Do I look right? Am I impressive? That we're not even hearing what what he said his name was. Bill. Amen. Y'all be listening now. The preacher's talking. This ain't some dude introducing himself. Most people are not listening when other people are talking. What if God has some instruction in someone's mouth for you? You're asking God to guide you. Can you be guided by words out of your children's mouth? What if your child has something to say to you? Shut up. Are you, boy, you, you wouldn't. You, I've been doing this long and you've been alive. You, 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 you wouldn't even have thought in your mother's mind I was doing this backwards blindfolded. Pride can't receive from the lower. See, the reality is there are stations in life. Now, we are warring against class in America as a church. We are warring against stations in America as a church because we believe that God loves everybody, rich, poor, educated, and uneducated. Can you say amen? But but there, there are people that you view as above you and people that you view as beneath you. Now, if Moses is leading 7 million people and Jethro would just pop in on a drive-by to check on his daughter, who, who, who's in charge here, Moses or Jethro? Moses is in charge. He could have been like, look here, bro. When I met you, you was a priest in Midian, worshiping false gods, dying on your way to hell. You wouldn't even know Jesus if it wasn't for me. That the Redeemer coming. They knew Jesus. Some people wonder if Jesus is the only way. How did people in the Old Testament get saved? It's going to bless you. People that were in the Old Testament, people that were alive in this day and age, look forward to Messiah coming. We, in 2017, look back at Messiah coming. But it's only by faith in the Messiah that anybody can have salvation. This dude comes along and, and, and kind of fronts up, kind of presses up on Mo. <laughs> what are you really accomplishing, dude? Now, I know as a leader over an organization and over businesses that I lead outside the church over organizations, I've had over 15,000 people um, that, that were working in conjunction with me, looking to me as the leader of the organization. And when somebody steps up with limited ability and limited thoughts that ain't the boss anyhow, sometimes it's like, 
Everybody's got an idea. I'm up here leading all these millions of people, and you're just going to pop in and tell me what, what, what am I really accomplishing? Moses could have been proud and listed off his accomplishments. Moses could have been proud and said, look, don't make me call God. Have him curse you with some flies, some locusts. Kill your firstborn. Don't, don't put me on record out here. He said, Jethro says, why are you trying to do all this alone while everyone stands around you from morning till evening? The majority of churches in America run 80 people. That's, 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 the, that's the median number of the church size in America. So there's churches that are a lot bigger and a lot smaller than 80 people. I've preached in churches that had 15 to 20 people, and the pastor had somebody carrying his Bible for him up into the altar, to the pulpit. What is that? Any, any, anybody know the title of that dude? The armor bearer. Has he got on any armor? Would he really die for the pastor? No, he's just sucking up. Trying to get close to the powerful person. You got 15 people in your whole church. You got three armor bearers and a dude washing your car? Y'all can see nobody washing mine. Most leaders are not quick to listen to people that aren't above them. But I want you to hear this today. God can use even the mouth of babes to teach you a lesson if you'll listen. Don't shut someone out. Don't cancel someone's voice in your life because of who you think they are. You may think that they're a drunk. You may think that they're a jack donkey. You may think that they are a crazy person, but God may have something to say to you through them. Thankfully, Moses was meek. He was not humble or haughty, and he listened to what this man said. He said, why are you trying to do this? While everyone stands around you from morning to evening. Most churches, 80 people. Most Church organizations, 80 people, 75 of them got titles across the board. I'm the head of the so-and-so ministry committee, backlog, whatever, and standing around watching pastor. Most churches are plagued by what church growth experts call the drum major syndrome, where if pastor is not there beating the drum, nobody's dancing. And we lived through that for many years here at Abundant Life. Most of y'all were not with us in our first location before I had my back surgery. Most of y'all were not with us when I was a younger man before my wife died of cancer. Most of y'all were not with us when it was me and my senior citizen mama on our hands and knees scrubbing the men's bathroom stains because folk can't aim at the urinal. Should I tell the joke? Funniest thing I ever saw. It was a, a barbecue shack called Smokies in Middleburg. It's something else now. But the men's bathroom, no urinal, just toilet. And as you stand there, so a man uses the bathroom, he's facing the wall. Right, men? You're facing the wall. If you're facing the other way, you got issues, but you can get therapy for that. But you're facing the wall and the toilet. And above the toilet is a sign. 
and it said, stand closer, it's shorter than you think. And it's me and my old mama were on our hands and knees scrubbing urine stains out of the bathroom a foot in front of you. Who do you think you are? Come on now. Pee in the toilet. I'm there cleaning the church. I'm there. My sister and her husband, who now serves as our administrator and uh, I think our longest standing deacon in the church. We're still living in Iowa. God transitioned them after Deacon Scott retired as a Navy chief, transitioned them to come back to Florida and join the church. This property was over three acres that we started on, and it was weeds and sand, Middleburg. And we had an old raggedy church steering wheel half a mile an hour lawnmower when it ran, and every Saturday <coughs> for three hours I would be out there cutting the grass by myself, weed-eating the grass by myself, come to church on Sunday morning, teach Sunday school, lead praise and worship, preach, come back on Sunday night, lead praise and worship, and preach again. When Deacon Scott came down here after retiring as a Navy chief in Iowa, comes down here, he sees me every Sunday. What do you think my lily white skin looks like on Sunday morning after cutting grass for three hours in Florida on Saturday? I I don't even see red that color. I'm redder than that, Angelique. I'm coming in looking like a tomato, a swollen up tomato, just sunburnt, blistered. Praise God, I had more hair then. My top of my head be burnt now. But I come in sunburnt to church every Sunday. And, and he wasn't even a deacon at that point then. You wonder how all these people got to be deacons? They got to be deacons by working hard before they became deacons. And we got the hardest working deacons I've ever met in any church I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so Deacon Scott's like, hey, man, I got a better lawnmower than that hunk you're driving. Why don't you just let me take this over? Now, y'all, see, Deacon Scott, a multiple yard of the month winner, green thumb dude, and, 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 and that's, his, that's what he's about. And so I'm like, hallelujah. Go on and do what you do. Why? Because I don't want to be working while everybody else is standing around. If you drive by what is right now Evangel Temple Southwest Campus in the Clay Hill section of Middleburg on uh, 218 West, you will see a white split rail fence. Guess who dug the holes for that white split rail fence? It was not Deacon Jimmy because he was not here yet. Who? It was not them. It was him. It was him. Why? Because... At that point in time in our church, I was the church janitor. I was cutting the grass. I was typing the bulletins, folding the bulletins, putting the bulletins out on the welcome station, taking tape orders, making cassette tapes one-to-one on a duplicator, But as and, and people were standing around watching me work. But God began to send more faithful people around. And they said, hey, let me take that grass cutting from you. 
hey, can I, can I type out the bulletin? Uh, because I could take, I could do that, and I could take that from you. Can I run the sound? Because I could do that, and I could, too many people stand. Do not be one of these people. Don't be one of these everyone's standing around watching somebody else do the work. There's blessing in work. Work is not part of the curse. God gave people work to do before sin came. Into the garden. So Jethro comes with a very serious question. Now what he's really done. He's called Moses leadership into question. He has told Moses. You're, you're ineffective. You're not being a good leader. What you're doing is wrong. And Moses had an opportunity. He could either learn from it. Or he could resist it. And these are the same opportunities we have every day in our life. We could either learn from what we're doing wrong. What we're doing ineffective. Or we could resist it and keep doing us. I'm going to do me. Mm. Well, you're just going to be you then. And you're never going to get any further than you are. We need to learn how to hear wisdom from other voices than the ones we expect it to come from. Because Moses wasn't asking for any leadership advice from this priest of the Druze. In verse 15, look what the Bible says. Moses replied, he said, why are you doing this? Moses replied, because the people come to me to get a ruling from God. Sounds reasonable. Why are you doing this? Because they come to me to get a ruling from God. Why are you cutting the grass, Pastor Scott? Because somebody's got to do it. Why, why are you cleaning the bathroom, Pastor? Because somebody's got to do it. Why are you folding the bulletins? Why are you printing? Why are you typing the Somebody has got to do it. It's easy to get caught up in a mindset that it has to be done and nobody else is doing it, so I'll just do it all. Nobody's good at doing it all. You're not as effective as you think you are when you are trying to do it all. In verse 16, he says, when a dispute arises, they come to me. And I'm the one who settles the case between the quarreling parties. I inform them of God's decrees and give them his instruction. Now, this last sentence is where Moses should have been concentrating his efforts in. Informing the people of God's decrees and giving them instruction. All that sitting in that seat every day, day after day, next day after next day, he's going to learn that that is not his highest and best use. Say highest. Say best. This was not his highest and best use. But he says, I'm doing this because they come to me. Somebody's got to settle these arguments. I know what God God's word says, so I'm giving them instruction. And Moses was very convinced that the activities that he was doing was God's will. They hadn't spent time with God like he had. They didn't know the voice of God like he did. They didn't know what God had said the way he did. God had entrusted the teaching to him, not them. So they came. They needed somebody with wisdom, with the word of God in their mouth to help them with the needs that they had. So he just naturally assumed, well, you know, this good activity is a, a God activity. But I want you to know every good idea is not a God idea because it sounds like a good idea. Who better? You, 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 got a, you got a problem with somebody? You, you need somebody to make a ruling on it? Who better than Moses? Just because he was good at it didn't mean it's what God wanted him to do. 
Some of y'all are stuck doing stuff just because you're good at it, but you're missing out on what God has for you to do. Mm, You let that go right over your head. Verse 17. Look at what this dude said. This is not good. (laughs) Moses' father-in-law exclaimed. He yelled at him. He said, man, that ain't right. That ain't no good thing. Are you crazy? That's, that's, you're just wrong. That's not right. <laughs> that's not, that just ain't how you do it. But listen, he is advising him without insulting him. Pastors oftentimes could learn a lot of things from people. But if you come at somebody wrong, they're going to shut down what you could have done right. He didn't come saying, yo, man, you're so stupid. I swear, I ain't my, 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 my last leader was smarter than He didn't come insulting, but he did come advising. He said, man, that ain't good. <laughs> that just is not good. Look what he said in verse 18. You're going to wear yourself out. He's saying this with love. For the leader. I would to God I had some wise people in this room that, w- that would see some stuff that we could do better and that would love me enough to come to me with, with, with honor and compassion and, and, and the love of God in their mouth for me and say, hey, you know, have, have, have we ever thought about this? He said, you're going to wear yourself out, man. See, Jethro had been the leader of a large organization. Jethro had ran a successful business. He knew about delegation. He knew what he was seeing was wrong. And he knew that if Moses kept doing what he was doing, he was going to wear himself out. The average pastor changes churches every 36, 18 to 36 months in America. There's different reasons for that. I told him Wednesday night. One reason why a pastor changed church every 36 months, because the second or the third woman got pregnant by the end, and it's time for him to move on. Is that right or is that wrong? Anybody believe that happens? After about a year and a half, two years, he can't cover his dirt up no more. After about a year and a half, two years, he already preached everything. Do y'all know what it's like to have to come up three times a week and say something out of one book to the same group of people that has an impact? <laughs> that, is, that is not an easy thing to do. That's why I tell the elders that preach in my absence, man, when you come up, it ought to be on point and banging. If I had a month and a half, two months, five months between every message, man, when I finally got to stand up, I'd have something to say that would peel your wig back. Preachers run out of stuff to preach, and they ain't studying no more, so now they got to go to a different church. They, they don't have good leadership, and they ain't in it to win it. And he said, man, here's what's going to happen to you. You're just going to wear out like all them other cats do. And then you're just going to be a guy who used to be a pastor. You're just going to be a guy who used to be uh, God's representative. He said, but not only are you going to wear yourself out, you're going to wear the people out too. They're standing around waiting on you all day long. Well, there ain't nothing more tiring than waiting. Mm, you believe me? You'd be better off digging a ditch than standing for 14 minutes at the DMV trying to renew your license. 
You don't believe me? Just sit there and watch people who have about a 20-minute wait. Bad-mouthing everybody in the room, just complaining, talking about what they got to do, where they got to go. Man, if you, you don't believe, you'd be better off driving an hour and a half out of your way than sitting behind a wreck for 25 minutes. Because it's that waiting that way. And he said, man, you can wear these people out waiting on you. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. I came today ordained by God to tell some of you that the things that you are doing are too heavy for you to do all by yourself. You need to get somebody else involved. Look at verse 19. Now listen to me, Jethro. He's like, well, you're listening so far. Let me just, I got, I, I done t- dabbled into your, into your pool. I done stuck my finger into your cereal bowl, and you ain't stopped me yet. So go, let me go ahead and get in you a little bit more. Let me give you a word of advice. And may God be with you. You see how loving, you see how humble, you see how, listen, there's a way to approach people. To keep them open to what you have to say. And there's a way to shut the conversation down and get put in your place. Jethro's coming the right way. He said, man, I I, I, I got something I want to tell you, and I hope God will be with you. You should continue to be the people's representative before God, bringing their disputes to him. He recognizes as a mature, Jethro is a mature, longstanding leader over a large organization. He He recognizes that Moses is God's representative to the people. He said, man, you ought to keep doing that. Uh, they 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 going they going to bring their disputes to you you ought to keep being a representative bring their disputes to him look at verse 20 and then he then he lays out this three step plan he says teach them god's decrees give them his instructions and show them how to conduct their lives looking from a distance not in the middle of his foolishness how many of y'all know that you cannot Always see the forest for the trees. You can see. You know what you would tell your sister to do if she was in it. But you're still saying, well, y'all don't know him like I know him. Yes, he did hit me, but he didn't mean to, and he felt real sorry. Now, your sister would say, leave that fool now before you got a ball grits on him. Leave him. You're so Close to your own situation. Listen, no one can smell their own stink. You don't smell your own. I go into people's house. Man, I know y'all had a dog in here. Oh, he's fine. (laughs) But the aroma in your house ain't fine. Oh, no, he's a clean dog. He don't shed at all. You mean much. It's hard to smell your own stink. Moses thinks what he's doing is all about God. But this mature, humble, great leader comes to him and says, here's what you need to do while you're being God's representative. You need to teach, you need to give, you need to show. 
Teach, give, and show. Teach, give, and show. Teach, give, and show. Teach, give, and show. That's your job, dog. That's your job. Teach, give, and show. Teach them God's decrees. Give them his instructions. Show them how to conduct their lives. You're God's representative to them. God said, you go before the people and be God-like to them, and you come before me, and I'll be God to you. And then you take what you hear from me. That's why the person that's doing the speaking needs to spend the most time with God because God said you got to have the ear of the learned before you can have the tongue of the learned. The reason many people don't have anything to say from the pulpit is because they're not listening to God all week long. That's why I've had so many people come to me and say, Pastor Scott, I've learned more in six months of coming to Abundant Life than I learned six years in my last church. He wasn't saying nothing. He wasn't hearing nothing. This dude realizes, yeah, man, you're God's representative to the people, but you're doing all this other stuff. You're going to burn yourself out. You're going to wear yourself out. You're going to be ineffective for the people. You need to be concentrating on teach, give, and show. And that's a great outline for God's leader. Teach the people God's decrees. Give the people God's instructions. Show the people how to conduct their lives. See, we want to be everything to everybody. And you can't be. Mamas want to be everything to their little girls, but you can't be. Daddies want to be everything to their little boys, but you can't be. That's one of the reasons I love being in a church. Because all the men in this church get to have it. Well, not all of them. But lots of men in this church get to have an impact on my sons and model manhood for them. See, you ought to be thankful that if you have a teenager that we, we've got a real man, a godly Christian man like Elder Keon Johnson teaching our teenagers on Wednesday night how to be good, godly Christian teenagers. We've got different strengths. you got to concentrate on what you are best at and quit thinking that you can do everything. You are not Superman, and you are not Wonder Woman. If you are, then I want to see you fly. Now, my kids believe the majority of their life that I was a superhero. Y'all know how kids are. And my kids will tell everybody in school, my dad's a superhero. Well, I was younger, better looking, and weighed less then, had more hair. But And they would say, well, what's his power? He can fly. Because I had convinced them that I was a superhero that could fly, but I only flew at night when they were asleep. You say, you thought that lie out strong, didn't you? See, I, I didn't have to tell them. I had to really, I didn't think it out strong. I had to make it up on the cuff because as they got older, Jake said, well, Dad, I'm not doubting you. I know you can fly. But how come I've never seen you fly? That's when I had to throw it out there. Well, I only fly at night. They probably have got that figured out now. But you are not Superman. You're not Wonder Woman. You think you can do everything and still be effective. But when you are tired, when you are worn out, when you are stressed, your life becomes a mess. No matter how great you are, you need to find a few things that you can really concentrate on. Jethro lays out by God's design. God brought this man into Moses' life to give him some, some instruction. He gave him a three-part instruction here, teach, give, and show, that helped move things along. In verse 21, 
He said, but, he, he said, but select from all the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. <laughs> you, you know, a bribe, a bribe will move the system along. Money greased the wheel. Listen, talk is cheap. It takes money to ride the bus. You, you, when, when people are like, okay, we will go and we'll let Deacon West see who's right and who's wrong. Oh, Deacon West, let me talk to you for a minute. That's like that shirt you're wearing, man. I wanted to help you buy four or five more of them. Here's $200. Remember. And then when it, when, it, when it comes, you know, slide the judge a little bit of money. Hopefully he rule in your favor. So Jethro says, man, don't get, don't get people who are prone to love bribes. Get you some capable men, some honest men, some God-fearing men, some folk that can't be bought off. It's the biggest problem with the politicians we have in the world today. Lobbyists. If you don't know what lobbyists are, study and learn how our country is run. Our country is run through lobbyists that hand millions of dollars to people. How can somebody making a $95,000 a year job live in a $15 million house? How, do these, how, how does a president get a job making $400,000 a year, spend over $600 million on a campaign? And that ain't just the two that just can't. They all, you spend millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars to get a job that only pays you $400,000? Now, that's a lot of money. I'd like to make $400,000. But I'm just saying, they spend on Why? Because they know there's a little something in American politics called kickback. No matter how much money they spend on that election, they're going to get some kickbacks. doesn't matter if you're the president, if you're the mayor, if you're the county commissioner, or the dog catcher. Kickbacks runs the world. And he was doing it then, and that's why Jethro said, hey, don't get some men that can be bought off. Now, I got some, I got some issues with our current president. I'm not here to be, I ain't going to get into it with you. But one thing I do like, he ain't taking a salary. A lot of people say because he don't deserve one. But... He's not taking a salary. Um, and I got, I got some issues. Some good things, some bad, just like anybody. But one of the things, and I don't know if it's, it's true, but it kind of makes sense because we've never had a really rich person. Not, not this rich. I mean, this dude got banked. You can't doubt that. Like him or hate him, he got banked. And one of the things he says is, I can't be bought off because I don't need your money. There's some real truth to that. I mean, the only billionaire president we've ever had. He, he probably, people can't be like, hey, you vote for our legislation, we're going to give you $100,000. he would be like, I, I just used $100,000 to clean up diarrhea just in the bathroom a minute ago. <laughs> Jethro said, go get you some honest men that can't be bought off to help do this stuff. He said, but <laughs> appoint them as leaders. Over groups of a thousand, a hundred, fifty, ten. See, different people have different capabilities. And you shouldn't be jealous of the person who is over a thousand. If you're over ten, you should be faithful over your ten. Because the Bible says if you've been faithful over a little thing, God will raise you up to be ruler over much things. You got to do right with what you got. And so this is how he says, break this thing down, man. Let's, 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 let's get you out this seat. You don't need to be in this seat day after day after day after day. Look at verse 22. They should always be available to solve the people's common disputes. But have them bring the major cases to you. 
<laughs> he probably saw the emo. Most like you taking me out of my thing. I just I, I ain't get to tell folk what to do no more. I I kind of I kind of like this whole dispute settling thing a little bit, not too much. He said, "All right, well, we we'll let them take the easy stuff to the the other dudes, but we'll let them bring the big stuff to you. So you ain't losing no you ain't losing no role here, big time. You still gonna you still gonna get to do it, but let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves." They will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. I really want you to see the last sentence. They will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. They will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. The reason I point that out is because the, the biggest reason why people don't delegate is because they feel like it's better if they do it themselves. And they don't really believe that they will help you carry the load they, they, they believe that, well, they want to help me carry the load, but, they think, but they'll mess it up, so I better do it myself. No, the Scripture says it'll make the task easier for you. Some of y'all want to have your hand on everything, your finger on everything, but you need to learn how to delegate some stuff. You need to learn how to put them kids, uh, get them kids involved in doing some stuff, make them do some cleaning around the house. You need to learn how to share some responsibility with other people because it will help make the task easier for you and this is what God wants you to do in your personal life in your private life in your business life and in your church life that's why we've divided our entire church into seven men in the book of Acts they had seven deacons so we called out seven deacons uh didn't really do it that way it just worked out that way we weren't looking for seven two of those have been ordained as new elders in our church but here's what we did because I cannot sit up here facing my second back surgery and listen to every dispute and give five more minutes to five more people five more times. I can't. My children have grown up sleeping in the foyer of every building we've ever had. My children have grown up waiting on the floor in every building we've ever had the people that help lock up the building they can tell you sometimes Cedric sometimes it'd be 30 minutes sometimes it'd be an hour and a half sometimes they'd be like pastor I've uh, locked up all the doors could you lock the last one up I got to go <laughs> does that happen that happens so what we did is we took the entire church if we have your information if you filled out your information for us like we asked and we divided it between seven families so that you can have more than just one person to help you spiritually. So you can have more than just one pastor helping to pray for you. And so we have taken and we've divided the, these, these, these people up. Everybody should. Did anybody get a call in the last week or so from a deacon or an elder? Look, look at those hands. You didn't get a call because we don't have your phone number. Or we have the wrong number for you. Well, what's the call about, Pastor? The call, I've instructed the deacons and the deacons' wives to call and just say this. This deacon so-and-so. You're in my deacon family ministry, and I just want to give you a call and see if there's anything going on in your life, anything we can be praying for you about. And these deacons and their wives are praying for you. You are in their deacon family ministry. All of these have been given 
somewhere over 10 families, 12, 15 families each, um, divided up, and every month you're going to get a call. If you don't want to send it to voicemail. But I want you to understand the value of having godly people pray for you. I want you to understand. Amen. And they know that they're going to handle the little stuff. But if they uncover some big stuff, they're going to bring it to me. Because I'm still going to be here being God's representative. I'm still going to be here teaching, showing, and giving. I'm still going to be here uh, laboring and, and serving. But I want you to know I believe this is going to be the greatest season for our church. And you need to take these calls. If you didn't get called this week, I want you to take one of those prayer request cards out of the back pocket uh, in the chair in front of you. And I want you to put your name and phone number on there and leave it on this altar, put it in the offering bucket so we can assign you to a deacon and his wife so you can be in their deacon family ministry because I want you to have somebody that loves God praying for you, knowing what's going on in your life. In verse 23, Jethro said, if you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, see, that's, that's the way you give good advice. It's what I think. And, if, and if, 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 if God bear witness with you, if you believe this is what God wants you to do, then you'll be able to endure the pressures, and these people will go home in peace. It's going to help Moses. It's going to help the people. It's going to help Moses, it's going to help the people, and it's going to allow other people to get involved in ministry. So this is why we're doing what we're doing. I, uh, let, 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 me, let me say this. One of, one of the most awesome things that ever happened to me is when I decided these kids are old enough to learn how to wash clothes. <laughs> how many people let their children wash them clothes, kids? Clean up after yourself. Clean your own bathroom. Have me in there on my bad back, bending over, scrubbing, comet in your bath, rinsing out your nasty teenage toilet. You clean that yourself. Amen. I'm trying to help somebody. You better start pushing some stuff off on somebody else. Why? So that you can endure the pressures of your stuff. You got enough pressure on you even if you get everybody else helping. But if you don't get somebody else helping, you, you, you're going to break. And you're not going to let the people go home in peace because they're going to wonder, I can't ever get to him. I can't find him. Somebody say, I've been trying to get a hold. Somebody left a message. Listen, if it was you, man up and see me after church. Somebody left a message saying, I've been trying to get a hold of Pastor Scott for three weeks. Anybody ever been trying to get a hold of me for three weeks? My number is published in the phone book. My cell phone always works. You can go to voicemail. You can hit me on Facebook. You can text me. I will get back to you. How many people know I will get back to you? Amen? Amen. Don't, 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 try, don't try to act like that. But listen, I want you to find value in building a relationship with the deacon and the deacon wife that God has assigned you. I'm closing with this. Listen up. If uh, if I ask you, are you busy, and you say no, you need therapy. When all there is to do in life, you're just too lazy if you're not busy. But let me ask you this. Are you too busy? 
What can you find somebody else to do so you can focus on your highest and best use? You don't have to do everything. You don't have to do it by yourself. You can find something. Here's my assignment to you. I said all that to say this. I want you to find at least one thing this week that you can push off on somebody else. Got to clear that off. I can't get there. All the teenagers are like. That's why, that's why I got to spend more time teaching them how to drive so I don't have to drive. Find something to push off on somebody else. Husbands, your wives are capable of something, I hope. Wives, you married him. Find something he can do. This is your assignment from God. Find something this week that you can take off your list. Because I want you to determine your highest and best use. According to Acts chapter 6, my highest and best use is to give myself to prayer and teaching the word of God. That's what the Bible says. Give myself to prayer. Now, I still got to step in on the big stuff. I still got to have my finger on the pulse of the ministry. I still got to know what's going on. But I want you to learn how to let the people that God has placed in your life get inside your life. Too many people get bogged down because they don't understand the path to joy. You don't understand the path to joy. You're so busy concentrating on you and all your stuff. You probably heard this acronym before, but I want to leave you with it in party. How you spell joy? J-O-Y, Jesus, others, and yourself. Put Jesus first in your life. Then get other people involved in your life and put them above you, and you'll find out. The time you get to you, you're just ready to go to sleep. You spend all day serving Jesus and others. Joy is going to come into your life. Jesus, others, yourself will lead you to joy. Here's what I want to do. I don't have time uh, to do this the way I was going to do this by having them all come up. And, and a couple of them are in the sound booth. But what, what I'd like to do right now is because you should have gotten a call from either Elder Jimmy, Elder Keon, Deacon Scott, Deacon Mike, Deacon Henry, Deacon Cedric, or Deacon Ken. Here's, here's what I want to do. I want all the deacons and elders that are present today, and we got one or two out, but I want all that are present today and, and your wife. I want you to stand up just so we can see who you are. Stand by your man, Nick's. Okay. All right. Here, here's what here's what I want y'all to see. Right here, this, this is Deacon Henry West and his beautiful wife Nixa West. This man is 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 in my heart deeper than than he don't he don't even know this for reality. But this man is in my will. I am leaving him money when I die. I love this man more more than words. Could ever express uh, this. 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 This is my heart. This family right here. Uh, their children are my heart. Good to see you. Uh, right over here, we've got Ken and Diane. I've told you all before, Deacon Ken and Diane. I, y'all keep standing with me. I told y'all before, 
The Bible says that some people make church hard for the overseer and some make it easy. I don't believe I've ever had any more low-maintenance church member than Ken and Diane Huff. And that's also Deacon Ken and Uncle Ken's wife. Amen? You're going to be put in one of these groups. And, and if, they, if these people end up being uh, who, who you're in their group, you're going to be blessed for it. I want you to look in the back. We got Deacon Mike and Kari Turi. These are some of the most successful young Christian people that I believe you'll ever meet. These people love God, and they put God first, and they put God above their own self, and they are walking in the blessing and in the favor of God. Stand, stand up, red shirt. It's Elder Keon Johnson. I saw Adaris earlier today. She, she's a servant. See, that's how you, that's how you get, get to where you are. Elder Keon is an elder in our church. He formerly served as a deacon in our church. He and his wife have been serving here for so long. I believe that Elder Keon uh, is probably one of the most talented young men with, with a wider skill set uh, group than you'll probably ever find. I didn't make him an elder just because he's good looking. Amen? And I, I get the joy of hearing every week, and you need to get this joy because he teaches my sons every week in youth. And every week I get to hear, Dad. Elder Keon is probably the smartest man in our church. Dad, did you know what Elder Keon told me? Dad, guess what I learned? Elder Keon was saying, hey, Dad, you know Elder Keon knows everything about the Bible? Dad, did you know Elder Keon is? I know. That's why he's the elder in the church. And just to prove that all elders ain't good looking, look at Elder Jimmy. That's her elder. And his beautiful wife, beautiful wife, Nancy Rich. And this man has been a dear friend to me for so long. Uh, I, I've shared so much of my life with this man. Listen, every one of these people are dear to me, and they love the Lord. Nobody more dear to me uh, in, the, in the world than, than the next two people standing up. This is Deacon Scott and Dina Mills. This man came along when nobody asked him to and just started cutting the grass because it needed to be done. When we didn't have a deacon in the church, when I was doing everything, God sent these people to come alongside me. God, God sent Dina to come and be the administrator. I've never met anybody who was more determined to dot every I and cross every T than Dina Mills. We're blessed to have these people in our church leadership. Amen. And the last two that are here today, how many? One, two, three, four, five, six. So everybody's here. Amen. This is Deacon Cedric Dixon and his beautiful wife, Sonia. Of all the sharpest, sharp people I've ever met in my life, I believe Deacon Cedric Dixon is at the top of that list. This is a sharp man, and he's army, so hallelujah for that. I made it halfway up the promotion list. He made it to the top of 
the promotion list where there were no more ranks to go. And after 30-plus years, they finally said, I've had enough. And he gave 30 years of his life, and she stood beside him to serve our country in the United States Army. Hallelujah. Now, here's what I want you to see. These are successful people. They love God. They have fantastic marriages. They have wonderful children. They are doing things the right way. And I want one of these families getting involved in your life. Your life will be better for it. I want you to, some of y'all have gotten calls, but you've never had a face-to-face. I want you to grab them and say, hey, I'm I'm so-and-so. You called me yesterday, and I want you to let these men and women, listen, don't act like you can do everything yourself. Don't act like you don't need somebody to talk to. Listen, brothers, you especially. Don't act like you got it all together and your life is crumbling around you. Every one of these men have strengths that I don't have and that you don't have. You got strengths too, but you need to let these men get involved in your life. Listen, ladies, I know about, about, about all of them are good looking. And ladies in the Bible minister to guess what? Ladies. And men minister to what? Don't be calling, don't, don't, don't you be calling Deacon Mike Turry, you no know, 3 o'clock in the morning talking about I just need somebody to talk about. It's because you high and drinking wine. You ask for his wife. She remembers those days. And all these families have life experience too. And these are the people that God has brought alongside to lighten the load so that the people can have peace. Let them in to your life. Take their phone call. Return their phone call. Some of y'all are like, oh, man, I was hoping to be in so-and-so's group. Stop complaining. Every one of these families has a personal relationship with God and a personal relationship with me, and they want and we want to serve you We want to pray for you. We want to know what's going on in your life. We can only get into your life as much as you allow us. And they're going to be called. If you haven't gotten a phone call, I need you to fill out your name and your phone number on one of those cards, and we need to get you assigned. Listen, I don't think there's a better group of seven families that you could ask to minister to your life, to help you in your matters, to get involved in what's going on. These are the men and women of God that are carrying the load. Come on and give God praise. Y'all can sit down. One of them is your deacon family, and, and you need to get involved with it. You need to get in touch with it. Y'all, they, they need to be invited to your children's parties. They need to be, you need to be throwing barbecues, and you need, you need to be having them, having them over, and you need to be letting people in. Brothers, we need more men in our lives. God created, you know, we're dogs. We're not cats. God created us to run in packs. You need to let one of these men get in your pack, and you need to let him get in in your life so he can know what's going on so you can have somebody to talk to when the weight of the world is on your neck. These ladies love the Lord. Ladies, you need to let these ladies in. They need to become part of your, your, your circle, and they need to become part of what's going on in your life. I want us to serve you, but to do that, you got to take these phone calls. If we're not calling you, leave your information here. You say, well, Pastor, what, what's our assignment again? Your assignment is this. Find at least one thing you can push off. 
and have somebody else do. You don't have to do everything. We got some people right now that are serving in four or five ministries, wearing four or five different hats, here all the time. Some of y'all not wearing one hat. Get involved in ministry. Show up on Saturday to food and clothing. Ask. the Listen, especially if you're young and sharp, ask Deacon Keon how you can get involved in ministering to some of these teenagers. They don't want to hear something the old fat dude like me's got to say. They want some young, good-looking dude that looks like a, a triathlete telling them what's what. You need to get involved in helping us grow this next generation of leaders. We need to shape our own people. We don't need the world shaping our people. We need to take responsibility for our own. So I want you to shove something off your plate. I want you to delegate something that somebody else can do, and I want you to find out what your highest, I'm almost done. I know we're late. I want you to find your highest and best use. My highest and best use is to give myself to prayer and the teaching of the Word of God. What is your highest and best use? First, you need to get saved. If you're not saved, God said if you ask him to save you, he'll save you. All you got to do is call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. The Bible says if you are saved and you're not serving God, if you you can't tell me right now what ministry you're in, I want you to get involved in a ministry so you can say that's the ministry that I'm in. Because it's when we start serving God together that life takes on purpose, that life takes on a bigger meaning. Pray with me. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. God, I thank you for these seven families that you brought alongside us, God, to carry the load. Father, I pray that you would let people, let them in, God, that we would get their contact number. We got wrong phone numbers. God, let us get the right phone number. Let us get involved with people. Let us love each other the way you've called us to love each other. God, I pray for the offering now that we're about to receive. Lord, I pray that you would bless it, Father. I pray that you would Allow us to take up enough money that we can continue to do all the things that we're doing around the world. Father, I pray that you would raise up givers in this church that would give with a joyful heart. Father, I pray for every person in the room that's not truly saved, Lord. I pray that you would pour your love out on them, that you would let them know that you care about them and you have a better plan for their life than they could ever have on their own. God, I pray, Lord, for every saved person in the room that you would help us to put you above us so that we can have the joy promised to us in your word. Lord, I pray that you bless us as we go from this place. Father, before we leave, I pray that you bless this offering now for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.